0: Welcome to Studies in the Scriptures with Pastor Mark Fontecchio, a broadcast ministry of Return to the Word and made possible by faithful supporters like you. Find out more at returntotheword.com. Welcome back to Studies in the Scriptures. In our study of the book of Ruth, when we left off, Ruth had gleaned from the fields of Boaz until the end of the barley harvest and the end of the wheat harvest. We broke open chapter 3 Where we saw the plan of Naomi, where she instructed Ruth how to approach Boaz about the possibility of him being her kinsman redeemer. Starting in our passage for today, we see that Ruth now begins to carry out the plan. We left off last time with verse 5 of chapter 3. The bridge between the instructions of Naomi in verses 1 through 5 and Ruth actually carrying out the plan is found in verse 6 where we learn that Ruth made good on her promise to Naomi in verse 5 that she would do everything that Naomi had instructed. Ruth went down to the grain floor and did all that her mother-in-law had told her. And then verse 6 tells us she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. Now, as I read verse 6, I cannot help but think that first of all, How amazing it is that Ruth was willing to dedicate herself so faithfully to not only helping her mother-in-law, but Ruth was also willing to listen to her counsel. Ruth was willing to move from Moab to Bethlehem. Ruth was willing to glean in the fields. And Ruth was willing to submit herself in obedience to what Naomi told her to do. So keep in mind the wording in verse six literally means that Naomi commanded her to do these things. And time after time, we see in the book of Ruth that Ruth was willing to listen. She was willing to obey. Second, as we touched on last time in the first five verses of chapter three, Naomi was basically telling Ruth to propose to Boaz and how different this was from the concept of marriage in our culture. It was all about the kinsman-redeemer relationship and that this man could provide for them. Let me also just say how refreshing it is to see in the word of God, men and women of character, men and women that had faith in the Lord, integrity and commitment to one another. Now, verse seven shifts us now to the threshing floor. It says, and after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain and she came softly, uncovered his feet and lay down. Boaz had eaten and had gotten a drink and his heart was cheerful. Boaz had probably worked all day long. Now he was having his evening meal. Life was good. The Lord had blessed Boaz. Ruth watched him finish his meal. She watched him go and lie down at the end of the heap of the threshed grain. The wording tells us this was the finished product. This was the pile of grain that came from the days of threshing and was waiting to be transported to the city. Normally the pile would have been just at the edge of the threshing floor. Boaz laid down at the end of the heap, meaning he laid down at the furthest end away from the threshing floor. This would have been the end of the pile. This would have been the most exposed to the animals and the thieves. And verse eight tells us, now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself and there a woman was lying at his feet. Boaz felt asleep before Ruth made her move because first of all, verse seven told us that Ruth came softly. The word for softly actually means that she came in secret. She came covertly. She uncovered his feet according to their custom and lay down. But we also read in verse 8 that some time must have passed. It was midnight when Boaz was startled, turned himself, and noticed her. If he was awake, he would have noticed right away. But he didn't. Some time had passed. He fell asleep. The King James says in verse 8, Boaz was afraid. The New King James reads that he was startled. So people have speculated all sorts of things. Some suggest that he had a bad dream, or that maybe Boaz was visited by an angel. But I think a better translation of the Hebrew is not that he was afraid or startled, but that he trembled, he shuddered. It was late spring to early summer. It was probably a warmer evening, and because it was a warmer time of year, he wouldn't have felt the cold air wake him right away. It was midnight when Boaz tossed and turned in his sleep, when he noticed a woman laying at his feet. I think the Hebrew gives us the idea that at midnight it got a little colder, his feet were cold, and he reached for his blanket, and that is when he noticed Ruth. Notice how the King James reads, behold, a woman lay at his feet. It surprised him. It took him off guard. And remember back, what did we say last time about this, about what would happen during the time of the judges out at the threshing floor? while the prostitutes would go out to the threshing floors at night to offer their services. Most men living in that day would have assumed that this is what Ruth was there for and would have taken advantage of the situation, but not our man Boaz, verse 9. And he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. First in verse 9, we read that he asked the question, who are you? Notice what Ruth said. I am Ruth, your maidservant. Ruth still identifies herself as his maidservant. She still is acknowledging her position in the social ranking of the day. But we see no reference that she was from Moab. We see no reference to herself as the widow of Milan. And we see no reference that she was the one that traveled back from Moab with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Now, the reason I bring all this up is because all throughout the book of Ruth up until this time, we have seen Ruth time after time identified by these things, but key in on the second half of verse nine. If we understand the culture of the time, this is truly an extraordinary passage. Take your maid servant under your wing for you are a close relative, or as the new American standard puts it, spread your covering over your maid for you are a close relative. Boaz asks the question who she is, and now Ruth takes the attention off of herself and puts it back on Boaz. Keep in mind the social dynamics. She just pointed out the fact that she is a lowly servant and he is the master. She is an uninvited visitor on his turf. She is a woman and he is a man. She is from a foreign land and he is a Hebrew. And out of nowhere, Ruth requests that Boaz marry her. The custom of what Ruth had done and what she was saying to Boaz, it may seem strange to us, but it left no doubt in their culture. First of all, the wording that she used is literally, it means to spread one's wing over. That's why the New King James translates this as take your maidservant under your wing. Now, immediately, this should bring something to mind that we studied before this in the book of Ruth. So let's turn back to chapter 2 and look to verse 12. This was Boaz speaking to Ruth at the time of the harvest. Notice what he told her. The Lord repay your work in a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Here in verse 12, the wings were a metaphor for the refuge of the Lord God of Israel that he would provide for her. So part of the understanding of the wording back in chapter three is this idea of refuge of Boaz taking her under his wing and assuming her responsibility for her security. But in verse nine in chapter three, there is a little more going on than just this. The wording used could also be translated as not referring to wings, but to the edges of a garment. And this is why the King James translates this as Ruth asking Boaz to spread his skirt or garment over her. Perhaps the cold factored in, but remember for the Hebrew people, this was a clear and direct expression referring to marriage. The gesture of a man covering a woman with his garment was a symbolic act. According to their custom, it signified the establishment of a new relationship and the symbolic declaration of the husband to provide for the provision of the future wife. In other words, I'm saying this not only did it symbolize the beginning of a new relationship, but it was a pledge by the man that he would take care of the needs of his future wife. This is the rest and the security that Naomi had in mind for Ruth seeking to have Boaz pledged to not only redeem her in marriage, but to take care of her for her life. Now, in some aspects, Ruth is challenging Boaz to be the answer to his own prayer of God's blessing and protection for her back in chapter two. See, the context of this chapter makes it clear that Boaz understood exactly what she was doing and exactly what she was asking. This becomes clear to us in how he responds. Now, before we move on, notice again the last phrase at the end of verse 9. These are the grounds for her request. For you are a close relative, or for you are a kinsman redeemer. Ruth made it known to Boaz that even though she was from Moab, she knew and understood the Hebrew custom of a kinsman redeemer. Obviously, Naomi and Ruth would have had plenty of time to discuss what this meant. So remind yourself that Naomi had instructed Ruth in verse 4 that Boaz would tell her what to do, and this is just what he does. Boaz responds to Ruth in verse 10. Our text instructs us. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. Don't miss the tension and suspense in this text, in this passage. Boaz could have easily just dismissed her and told her, hey, get lost. But he didn't. Instead, Boaz responds very kindly by saying, blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter. Once again, we see the respect that he showed to her by addressing her as my daughter. Then Boaz tells her that she had shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning. The latter kindness is obviously the fact that Ruth had showed up at the threshing floor and asked Boaz to marry her. The kindness that Ruth showed in the beginning, this ties us back to verse 11 of chapter 2, where we learn that Boaz knew of the kindness of Ruth. In that Ruth had left her father and mother, Ruth had left the land of her family just to look after her mother-in-law. And to add to this, back in chapter 3, notice what Boaz says to her at the end of verse 10, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. I find this to be an interesting statement by Boaz. Boaz was older, but not ancient, not a withered old man, still able to put in a full day's work and stay at the threshing floor at night. Boaz, well, he wasn't a poor man. Chapter 2 taught us he was a man of standing, a man with land and servants. Boaz knew that if she was just looking for love, she could have gone elsewhere, but she didn't. She came to him uttering the words of a close relative, a kinsman, Redeemer. We mentioned before, she surely could have found someone to marry her back in the land of Moab, but she came to a foreign land and was willing to marry an older man, not because of love, not for herself, but because it would help provide for Ruth and Naomi for the rest of their lives. And so this is all to say that Boaz recognized the love and commitment that Ruth was showing to Naomi. Verse 11, and now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. My daughter again in the text, do not fear had to be comforting words for her to hear. But then look at what he said. I will do for you all that you request. Boaz He's a man of grace, but think about what we can take from this verse, about the testimony that Ruth had provided. Only weeks before this, Ruth had arrived in town as a destitute widow, a foreigner at the mercy of the locals. We saw in chapter two that even Ruth understood that she was on the low end of the social scale with no other way to provide for herself, but to pick up scraps in the fields. But it was her work ethic and her commitment to her mother-in-law. The people of the town had seen in just a few short weeks that she was a woman of character. She didn't gain this reputation by trying to be someone important. She didn't gain this reputation by trying to rub noses with the wealthy people of the town. She became known for her commitment as a woman of character. At this point, you have to think of the emotions that must have been taking place. As Boaz told her, yes, I will do as you ask, but here comes the problem. Notice verse 12. Now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Again, I love the integrity being shown in this chapter. Boaz had a young woman that wanted to marry him but he knew that there was another man that was a closer kinsman than he, and before the Lord he needed to do the right thing. Take a look at his instructions in verse 13. Stay this night, and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good, let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. Now, there's something subtle in this verse that we tend to not pick up in the English. The wording is very careful. To make things clear, Boaz did not use the wording that would carry any idea of anything physical taking place. Instead, he used the wording referring to lodging somewhere for the night. In chapter 2, we learn that Boaz didn't want others taking advantage of Ruth in the fields. Here we learn that Boaz himself held himself in to the same high standard. He would not in any way take advantage of this young woman. What I like so much about Boaz is here was a man that would not let the situation just get worse. Even though it was a busy time for Boaz, he had crops to take care of in the field. He would take care of the situation first thing in the morning. Notice again in verse 13, Boaz told her that if this other man did not redeem her as the Lord lives, Boaz would redeem her. This was the most serious oath that any Hebrew man could make, that just as sure as the Lord lives, Boaz would redeem her if he could. Now, we looked at a few different times at Deuteronomy 25 that speaks of the duty of a brother to preserve the family name by marrying the widow of a dead brother. But in the dialogue in our text, there's no mention of the preservation of the family name. This does become the discussion in chapter 4, but at this point instead all of the discussion is about redeeming Ruth, about the family providing for Ruth and Naomi. What we see is a lot of discussion about security for Ruth's future. See, the Mosaic laws didn't really specifically cover her situation, so she was depending on Boaz to do the right thing, even though he really didn't have to. Verse 14 says, So she lay at his feet until morning, and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. In verse 14, she laid back down at his feet for the rest of the night. I cannot imagine that either one of them got a lot of sleep. Both of them would have been thinking about the situation. I believe here with all of my heart that this passage is clear enough that nothing inappropriate was going on between these two. And in the rest of verse 14, she left before dark and Boaz didn't want it known that she was there. What we see here is Boaz and Ruth trying to avoid even the appearance of evil because they knew how men and how women like to lie and how they like to gossip. Before the sun was up, before it was light enough to recognize one another, Ruth got up. And not only did Ruth have a reputation of her own to preserve, but so did Boaz and his workers might have been close by. He told his workers to keep quiet. But notice in verse 15, he loads her up with barley. We read in the text, also he said, bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. This is the type of man he was looking out for those in need. Boaz told her to bring the veil she had. Some translations say her shawl. And they use this garment to hold six measures of grain. In this case, the unit of measurement is not actually in the text. The Hebrew just tells us that he measured out six units of barley. But we have no idea exactly how much he gave her. I doubt it was six ephah because this would mean she carried home on her shoulders between 180 to 300 pounds of barley. That's a lot of weight. But as I was thinking about this, maybe the easiest idea is just to assume here that the unit of measurement was left out for a reason. Perhaps we shouldn't get the idea of Boaz giving her six precise units of grain, but rather Boaz just giving her six scoops of grain either with his hands or some scoop that they had at the threshing floor. So with verse 16, the scene now shifts to Ruth coming back home to her mother-in-law. When she came home to her mother-in-law, she said, Is that you, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her. Now, I cannot imagine that Naomi got a lot of sleep that night either. She must have wondered how things were going for Ruth. Verse 16 is interesting what the wording used. It reads that Naomi asked, Who are you, my daughter? Now, let's back up here. Obviously, she knew who Ruth was, and obviously she recognized Ruth. Otherwise, she wouldn't have referred to her as her daughter. Some of what we have here in this text is the difference in languages. By looking at the wording used, I walk away with the idea that the essence of the question really was, how are you? How did it go? And notice the end of verse 16 in the wording that is used. Then she told her all that the man had done for her. Now, Boaz isn't referred to by name, but instead is referred to as the man. Then our last two verses tell us this. And she said, These six ephahs of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, Do not go empty handed to your mother-in-law. Then she said, Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Naomi does the same thing down at the end of verse 18, where it says, for the man, for the man will not rest until he has finished the thing today. Notice that they didn't refer to Boaz by name. Now, some of the evidence that we have gives us the indication that this was the way that women during this time would speak about a male who was not present, who was higher up on the social rank. As Ruth explained what had taken place the night before, in verse 17, Ruth explains to Naomi about the barley Boaz had given them. And here we see the reason for the gift of barley. Notice what we read. For he said to me, do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Boaz, he considered it inappropriate for Ruth to return home to her mother-in-law empty-handed. Now, we need to remember the obligations that Boaz has as a kinsman redeemer were based on his relationship with Naomi more than his relationship with Ruth. Remember that chapter 2, verse 1 taught us that Boaz was related to Elimelech, which was Naomi's dead husband, not Milan, Ruth's husband. Secondly, keep in mind that in many ways, Naomi would have been seen as Ruth's legal guardian. So it's possible, and this is just speculation, that Boaz may have intended this as a down payment on the price of the bride at the time of the betrothal. This was usually given as a promise to prepare for the wedding in good faith and a pledge of good behavior of the groom towards the bride in the time before the wedding. Some of the wording used in verse 18 gives us a hint that this might have been how Naomi accepted it, and she tells Ruth to relax until she learns how the matter turns out, how the matter will fall. That was an expression that they had, which simply means how the matter will turn out. The reason Naomi and Ruth could sit back and relax is at the end of verse 18, where we read, for the man will not rest until he has finished the thing today. Return to the Word Ministries is committed to teaching the full counsel of God's Word and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. For more about our ministry, please visit returntotheword.com. Pray that the Word of God will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path.